we're partnering with corporations facing significant risks to the agricultural supply base amidst the climate crisis. And we're developing tools technologies for cross-sector collaboration and co-investment in regenerative and restorative activities. We're working to put farmers, the stewards, at the heart of the solution. Orbiting 250 miles above, the space station provides us with the ultimate view of planet Earth. From this perspective, we ask our guests to engage with six questions that orbit around wonder and stories of hopefulness. For the next few minutes, this, this is, is our wonder space. space. Welcome to the 121st episode of the Wonder Space podcast. My name is Steve Cole, and over the past three years, I have asked the same six questions to amazing people from around the world. Questions that orbit around wonder and stories of hopefulness. This week on Wonder Space, we orbit with Anthea Stevenson, who transitioned from a career in the corporate world and Michelin-starred kitchens, and is now pioneering regenerative agricultural solutions, reshaping the narrative on food security, tech, and climate resilience. With this expansive overview of Earth, I start by asking Anthea, if we could do a fly past over any part of the world that is significant to you, which place, city or country would it be and why? So it would be Manchester, Jamaica, which is where my parents are from. Um, it's a deeply special area to me. Um, though I visited with my mum, I think a flyby observing the landscapes that had both my parents' childhood selves together would be quite wonderful. Um, I, at 17, actually, my first visit revealed potentially quite a different life I might have had there if the stars had aligned differently and my parents had stayed but somehow still met and had children, and I was one of them. Um, but it kind of creates a bit of a narrative of gratitude for me with my parents and their sacrifices, kind of seeing their humble beginnings and where, we've, where me and my brothers have ended up now. Um, so looking down kind of across those Villages and landscapes would kind of underscore their journey and hard work um, and kind of give me a good sense of pride and warmth for the journey. Anthea, give us a glimpse into your life story so far with an emphasis on what you are doing currently. I suppose from childhood passions that were centred around growing things, food and the planet, I've navigated a pretty dynamic career um, landing in a space that's now kind of blending all of those early loves. As a second generation immigrant, academic success was pretty much a non-negotiable. So despite my artistic inclinations, which my favorite subjects were like English, textiles and geography, um, my journey led to studying politics, philosophy and economics at the University of Manchester, which kind of balanced my parents' expectations um, with my humanities oriented mind. Um, Post-graduation, I spent four years as a headhunter in financial services IT. And although I was successful and quite good at that, it wasn't fulfilling. Um, so a career shift brought me to culinary school, eventually working for nine years in Michelin-starred kitchens. And that chapter wasn't defining, but pivotal, pivotal in that it immersed me in a world where passion met the plate. And I witnessed firsthand the impacts of climate on our food sources and systems through increased crop failures and season variability. So in response, I founded my first startup, which promoted sustainably farmed produce. 
um, and was also aiming to diversify eating habits by showcasing underutilized ingredients and their versatility. Later, I joined a venture builder, which was backed by an impact VC, where I focused on regenerative agriculture specifically and the food system amidst the climate crisis. Um, agriculture, which is now the second largest sector for emissions, operates within a pretty delicate balance, which is often at odds with the nature it relies upon. So my current and second startup aims to bridge that gap. Um, we're partnering with corporations facing significant risks to the agricultural supply base amidst the climate crisis. And we're developing tools and technologies for cross-sector collaboration and co-investment in regenerative and restorative activities. We're working to put farmers, the stewards, at the heart of the solution with progressive contracting, fostering equality and replenishment. We're still pretty early in our journey, um, but it's very exciting. For me, fostering integrated and conscious engagement with nature is a growing and unwavering driving force. It seems like it's formed quite a nice narrative arc of where I started and like being on the veg patch when I was really small and growing things and also planting flowers that to varying degrees of success from seeds um, and then cooking and food and eating and all that kind of stuff together with just real passion for nature. And then kind of that now being the place I'm sort of now trying to address those problems in in a really complicated way later. But that's kind of the, for me, that's that's quite nice because it's not been the third consistently, but it's like it's, I've come back to like my kind of innocent interests and passions, which are very specifically and deeply connected. Where on earth is your place of reset or recharge? So I'm actually recharged by deep connection. So that's either with other human beings or natural world. So fortunately for me, that can be found in many places. So I don't have just one place that I'll go to reground myself. Um, so fortunately for me, there's a, there's lots of opportunity to do that. But critically, wherever there is deep connection that I can engage with, said either through other people or through nature that's where and how i reset recharge reground what wonder of the natural world excites you the most i had to think about this one for quite a while actually and in the end <laughs> i realized that the wonder of the natural world itself is what excites me the most um it's such an incredible thing uh and so when i stop and appreciate any one aspect so that could be a particular living thing it's regenerative cycles or how it just kind of knows no bounds whatsoever. I just feel completely ignited. Um, and I still remember reading James Lovelock's Gaia for the first time when I was 19. Um, and the residual combination of feeling both excited and terrified um, at the end of it. And for me, that's peak energy, that kind of being fully present in the appreciation of the natural world and what it can do and all its possibilities is just amazing. Whilst orbiting around wonder, here is another one-minute wonder from our friends at Ask Nature, who look to nature for inspiration to solve design problems in a regenerative way. Savvy naturalists have long known the old trick of using pine cones to predict the weather. If it's dry, mature pine cones will let down their slender scales and open up. If rain and humidity are in the air, the scales curl shut, sealing the cone tightly. The strategy is to be open and release seeds when conditions are best for winds to carry them far and wide. Wet weather dampens dispersal. 
The secret to this movement lies in the structure of the scales. The outermost layer of each scale is made of loosely packed, stretchable cells. The inner layer is made of stiff, tightly packed fibers. When the scales are open and the air becomes humid, water drops will begin to fall or bead on the upper layer. The water slides down toward the spaces between the cells. This layer expands and stretches while the less flexible upper layer stays more taut. The scales bend upward in the middle until they curl completely shut. Then, when the air becomes drier, water in the scales evaporates, the outer layer shrinks back in size, and the scales reopen again. Anthea, what is your story of hopefulness that's not your own, about a person, business or non-profit who are doing amazing things for the world? This is about three adults in the Gambia who voluntarily run a nursery school for kids aged 3 to 7 from about 9am to 2pm, Monday to Friday, whilst also working full-time jobs. Um, So these people, I met them on a trip to the Gambia about five years ago, and they're they're genuine heroes to me. my trip to the Gambia was, was slightly random. It appealed mainly due to its renowned safety and friendliness, but was also a bit of just an escape from the British winter before the main airline that took you there collapsed actually through lockdown. So before that. Um, but I heard about the school through some tourists at the Eco Lodge I was staying in. Um, and so I sort of tagged along with them and I was really struck by the strong community spirit in the local area. So despite palpable hardships the locals were maintaining a vibrant and supportive community and probably smiling more than most people do in London it was just such a happy such a deeply happy place um but the school itself it was pretty modest but really well organized and with purely donated supplies um they had a really well maintained library that reminded me a little bit of the library that I had at primary school um and the heartbeat of the school were these three people who, as I say, they worked late, late uh, or night shifts as their primary jobs, but dedicated teaching essential subjects at school in the day. And their energy was infectious, which was a mix of resilience and warmth, but really driven by an imperative need for education in a community where many couldn't afford it. Um, so for over five years, they provided um, indispensable foundational education, stepping up where the system fell short so that no child was left behind. Um, the children in the school were not only joyful, but really diligent and engaged, like very enthusiastic in class and clearly thriving under their guidance and really grabbing the opportunity to unlock their potential with both hands, which was so good to see in an area like that. You kind of forget about those, those places so, so easily. Um, but for me, the tireless work of these three people really epitomizes the hope, um, And there's a bit of a beacon of altruism and commitment for education and community that's both inspiring and humbling. And their story really stands testament to the um, transformative power of education and the unshakable human spirit dedicated to nurturing and uplifting the next generation. So remembering their selfless acts of service, for me, just generally kind of renews faith in our collective future and the fundamental good of humanity, really. Finally, as we prepare to re-enter the Earth's atmosphere, what insight, wisdom or question would you like to leave with us? So I suppose it's going to be a two-part question with a call to action. Um, So part one of the question I put to listeners is, if you could change one thing in the world today, what would it be? 
And in part two of that question, with that in mind, what can you do right now to manifest even a small part of that? And then the call to action is go do that thing. To find out more about the work of Anthea, go to buildingwillow.com. I want to thank Anthea for joining us on Wonderspace this week. We finish with a question to you, our listeners. What is your story of hopefulness that is not your own, about a person, business or non-profit who are doing amazing things for the world? A story that makes a name for someone else. Thanks for listening.